0: Welcome to the Ghost Rap Podcast. It's fast, it's fun, it's informative. This is your weekly dose of the news that matters on the markets with your host, the Finance Ghost. For more details on these stories and to make sure you get daily updates, visit ghostmail.co.za. The Ghost Rap Podcast is proudly brought to you by Mazars, a leading international audit, tax and advisory firm with a national footprint within South Africa. Let's kick off with Mr. Price, where you needed to read the results carefully. Now, either I don't understand what's going on here, which is possible, or the market doesn't, and that's also possible. We cannot both be right about Mr. Price, because I feel very differently to the way the market does. The market took Mr. Price around 10% higher on the day of results, before closing around 8% up. Now, my view is that this little rally will run out of puff, and the share price will drift lower. Why is that? Because if you strip out the acquisition of Studio 88, what you'll find is actually a rather poor set of numbers at Mr. Price. For the 26 weeks to 30 September, revenue growth with Studio 88 was 26.4% and without Studio 88 was just 3.5%. Comparable store sales, they fell 0.8%. And expenses excluding Studio 88 were up 6.1%. So headline earnings per share went the wrong way by 9.3% and that is even if you include Studio 88. Gross margin is under pressure here, not just because Studio 88 is a structurally lower margin business, but because of the level of promotional activity required right now to support even these kind of revenue growth numbers as tepid as they are. So what did the market see that made the share price rally? And that's exactly my point. I actually don't know. The gross margin trend it looked better in the second quarter versus the first quarter, sure. So perhaps there's a silver lining there in terms of momentum. But overall, when I consider the competitive environment for Mr. Price, the return of load shedding, the ships that are all stuck outside Durban Harbor with stock on them for all kinds of retailers in South Africa, and all of the other issues, I just find it impossible to believe that this rally can stick. But of course, time will tell. Let's move on to a sector in the economy where people are actually spending money. There is movement again in the hotel sector, with both leisure and business travel showing encouraging signs. I'll start with Southern Sun, which I expected to release solid results. People have been anxious to travel again, and Southern Sun is more about delivering experiences than just business travel. For the six months to September, occupancy moved much higher, from 46% to 56.3%, And the average room rate was up 11.4%. Now, when both occupancy and pricing go in the right direction to that extent, the only outcome is a juicy jump in headline earnings per share, or HEPs. Except HEPs fell 21%. Now, your ears are not deceiving you here. There was a big once-off separation payment in the base period that was included in HEPs despite being a once-off. Strip out that income from the base, and you'll find that HEPs is up 1,400%. That's still a daft statistic. A more useful statistic perhaps is that the average room rate is 25.2% higher than in 2019 and occupancy is only slightly below the 59.1% achieved in that year. Now moving on to City Lodge, I've been impressed with the management team but I'm even more impressed with the outcome here. In the three months to September, occupancies increased to 62% and this was achieved with room rates up by 9%. Food and beverage revenue increased 44% and the balance sheet is in a much healthier state these days. They are actually in a net cash position, and that is supportive of the investment that they need to make in their hotels. I still prefer the sudden sudden business model, but I definitely appreciate what City Lodge is doing, and I think it's a really good effort. We need to deal with some capital raising activity now, which is not exactly a common thing to see on the JOC. And the important message here is that not all capital raises are created equal. I'll start with Sirius, the property fund that raised £145 million in a single day on the market in an accelerated book build structure. Now in simple terms, this just means that the brokers get out their little black books and they phone up institutions to try and place the shares that morning. I think the market still appreciates the Sirius strategy of focusing on acquisitions in Germany and the UK. And it also really helped that the capital could be raised at close to the net asset value per share, particularly at a time when most property funds are trading at a large discount to the NAV or net asset value. This book bill takes the loan to value ratio to 35%, which is a very comfortable level for a REIT, and it was well supported by the market, happily injecting more equity. That's because Sirius is a good business. It should just never have traded at a premium to NAV like in the heady days of the pandemic. The price is a lot more reasonable now and the market is still supportive. I'll move on now to a capital raise that is nothing like serious. African Rainbow Capital is trading at a substantial discount to NAV, yet this did not hold them back from raising 750 million Rand in fresh capital at a discount anyway. Now, to make it a lot worse, shareholders are not allowed to sell their letters of allocation, which means you either directly participate in the rights offer or you lose out on value. They also can't apply for excess applications, so shareholders who do want to support the story cannot pick up the slack for those who don't want to. But just dig deeper and perhaps you'll see why, because African Rainbow Capital PTY Limited, the private company all the way at the top, that happens to be the underwriter for this capital raise. In other words, they want to pick up the shares at a great discount to NAV, and they don't want minority shareholders to actually get more than they are effectively entitled to in the rights offer. You will never in your life see me invest in this company based on how they treat minority shareholders. While we are dealing with capital raises, we have to, of course, talk about Sabania, which was all the rage last week on the market. The company has raised $500 million in senior, unsecured, guaranteed, convertible bonds due 2028. How's that for a mouthful? Now, shareholders didn't like the taste of that mouthful. They sent the share price crashing lower. And I think part of this was the market's realization that Sabania is facing a lower commodity price environment for a while at least. So the balance sheet needs to be shored up. Perhaps the cost of this debt was also a bit of a wobbly, coming in at 4.25% per annum in dollars. But I think the biggest reason for the share price pressure was that the conversion price on this debt, because at some point in future they can be converted into equity, is only 32.5% above the current market price. This creates a heavily dilutive effect for shareholders as the share price recovers beyond that level, which it will hopefully do. Still, it does feel to me like the market did to Sabania what it should have done to African Rainbow Capital instead. But if markets were efficient things, thins, then they would be terribly boring, right, and you wouldn't even be listening to this podcast. Is Sabanya at the bottom yet? Opinion on this is strongly divided. I would love to know whether you are buying at these levels. Let me know in the comments or on Twitter. And that's a wrap. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Ghost Rap Podcast should be taken as advice. Please do your own research and visit ghostmail.co.za for more insights into the market.